Welcome to the America's Podcast. My name is John Schroeder, and today I'm Colton And uh, very thankful for you to come. Uh, Colton is a husband, uh, he's a father, he's an English teacher at Furlough Charter School right here in Americus. Colton, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, uh, me and Colton kind of go way back, uh, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I was at friendship camp, I was one of the. Um, uh, people that kind of helped out and, and, and did some chaperoning, but also led some music um, and got a chance to, to meet you for the first time as a, kind of a, a camper there. Then you actually did some, some uh, leading as well and just helping out being a part of the, the small group dynamics. Um, and so, yeah, that was right down in Friendship Camp, about 12 miles from here. Um, so, and then we kind of went our, our separate ways, and here we are now, both in America's Georgia. Back at it. And so, uh, glad, glad to be here with you in this moment. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, Colton. Uh, tell me about life growing up and, uh, and what brought you here back to Americas. All right, yeah, so I'm from around the area. I moved in uh, when I was uh, in middle school. My dad's a pastor, so we moved around a couple of times. But in middle school, we moved to Americas. He pastored Pleasant Grove Baptist Church, uh, heading out towards Leslie. And uh, we moved here when I was about 13 and um, wound up transferring to Americas High School, Americas Sumter back then. Now it's just Sumter County High School. But Americas okay. Sumter... Uh, transferred there when I was in 11th grade, uh, finished out, graduated there, actually met my wife on the uh, first day of school and uh, wow. first, first period. So And just right there, you just knew. Proposed on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so, you know, I was mostly it was me trying to make some smart comments. So like mm -hmm. she would laugh at me, but she didn't hear anything I said. So she was just kind of, eh, you know. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, we wound up dating a few weeks later, had a couple of high school breakups, but, you know, mm -hmm. wound up sticking it out. And uh Wow, you know, the, wow. Couple, the couple that graduates together stays together. Yeah, that's so. right. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about what it what it's like growing up with uh, a father as a pastor. So it's different, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's different. I remember, uh, you know, I was really uptight. I think, especially as a middle school and a high school, I was really uptight. Uh, very, very like rigid, obviously, and like moral issues, but maybe a little bit more rigid on things that like I didn't necessarily have to be rigid on. So I bet I definitely wasn't like the funnest person to be around if you were definitely trying to like get into some trouble or anything like that. But uh, so I kind of just, it was kind of this, uh, honestly, it's kind of like an added pressure and it's not something your parents do to you or like want to have on you. It's just kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, as a, a pastor and a pastor's family, there's just kind of this like reputation you're supposed to uphold. I mean, I know everybody says pastor's kids are the worst. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the cliche. But I mean, honestly, I think for the most part, there's this kind of like pressure to be the kind of person you're supposed to be, to be the kind of uh, student, leader, youth group member, everything. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, Did you, Do you feel like you kind of, not in a sense, uh, I'm going to use the word thrive, like thrive with that? Like were you encouraged by that? Or do you feel like you were... Uh, just like, yeah, I've kind of got, I've got to be the pastor's kid that in that way. Um, yeah. Or did so, you actually, your personality actually enjoy that? It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to live up to these particular. Yeah. So I definitely like wanted to be a certain type of person. And, uh, I would say, you know, I, I joke with my parents all the time that I was their golden child. You know, uh, I've given them the least amount of gray hair of all their children. Uh, <laughs> but I do think there is a weight to it. You know, I think there's a psychological and even spiritual weight to it, you know, especially, uh, if you can kind of, uh, you can kind of internalize this idea of being perfect mm -hmm. and uh, not uh, having any flaws and having to always say the right things and do the right things. And so, yeah, that can be, that can be a little weighty and mm -hmm. uh, it can be, you know, not a good thing all the time for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So where, where would you see, uh, we kind of talked about like our, our parents, um, if they're people of faith, that you know, th- it's kind of their faith that we're wearing for a long time. Yeah. Where did it become kind of, uh, of your faith or, or you know, how, how, how did that happen? So I think I always embraced the faith from a very young age. And uh, of course, you know, you just kind of think what your parents think. I remember having, whether it's like religious or political conversations when you're like in middle school, because, you know, that's what middle schoolers do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, or they think they do. And so, you know, everybody just kind of repeats what they hear their parents say and that kind of stuff. But I would say college, uh, which I stayed here locally, but uh, college really kind of getting out, hearing some different voices, experiencing some different things, having different uh, small groups, friendships, leadership uh, in my faith. I would think I really began to kind of like form some kind of like mental categories and, and ideas kind of like on my own independently of my parents then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So would you say there was like challenges, obstacles that kind of pressed against your, your faith at that time that uh, you can think back on and say, and this really made me really have to consider? So no, I don't think I went through any like kind of crisis of faith or anything like that. I think I just kind of, I think I was able that, that weight that I think I had uh, of you know having to be perfect and the right kind of person and say this and you know kind of always towing the line. I think I just kind of like internalized the idea of grace mm-hmm. more, and so that was kind of just transformative and, and like really life giving for me in my spiritual walk. So yeah, yeah, it seems to me. I mean, I think this is again coming from the ministry standpoint that that's the term that really defines um, the difference between you know Christianity and maybe other religions where it becomes. It's not about what you do, but it's about what's been done for you, yeah. which is obviously that grace, that that grace moment. So, yeah, tell you mind kind of stepping into that a little bit and just kind of describing that. Uh, yeah, so I think I am the kind of person I'm super introspective. I like analyze every single thing I say, every single thing I do. Like I'm telling you, speaking of like middle school, I can think back to like stupid things I've said and done when I was like 13 or 14. You know, I'm like mm-hmm. 28 now, yeah. and I'll still sit back and think about man. That was terrible. Man, that was awful. Like, why would I do that? And like, I, um, I made like an offhand comment, I think, to someone. I was thinking about something in my planning time today. I made an offhand comment to someone yesterday. And I don't think they meant, they took any offense, nothing to it. But I'm kind of thinking like, dude, that was pretty dumb. Why, why did you say that? And so that's just kind of the constant struggle for me is uh, being very introspective, overanalyzing everything I do and say. I think it's kind of like a desire for perfection. Mm. And, uh, and so I think... Uh, one of the things I've grown in since I was in college and just really tell myself every day is like, you know, I don't have to be perfect. That's not the point. Uh, I, uh, I believe in a God who is my father and he's gracious and he's loving and he's kind uh, and he's done so much on my behalf and he is accepting me. Uh, he has accepted me and uh, I don't have to like earn that acceptance. And so I just yeah. think maybe that's not the case for most people, but I, I just think I have to tell myself that every day. Like this mm-hmm. is not about my performance. This is not about how awesome of a person I think I am or how anybody else thinks I am. You know, it's about uh, God's opinion of me. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, so going back to kind of the 13-year-old who shows up, is engaging in life, what, what did you want to be growing up at 13, 16 Man, I don't know. It definitely, at 13, it definitely wasn't uh, a pastor. You know, I've done some pastoring in my past. But uh, I just remember thinking, man, I see what my dad has to deal with. Like, why would I want to deal with these people, right? You know? And I think, yeah. uh, I think every person who's, like, ever involved in some type of church at some point in time goes, church people, you know? Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I was like, I didn't want to deal, I didn't want to deal with that. 
I don't know if I had something I was really set on or not, but I think actually, it was about when I was 16, I actually was kind of like, man, I think I do want to get into ministry. And believe it or not, I don't know if I've ever told you this uh, or not, but it was actually uh, started really happening a year at friendship camp and you were preaching. Wow. Yeah, you and Mike Brooks, you were preaching that year. And uh, I remember the night, man, it was Thursday night. And I even remember like you preached on David and Goliath. No idea why that did something like personally for me or whatever. But I just remember thinking, I was like, dude, I think, I think this is it. I think this is for real. And so I started having some conversations with my dad after that. Wow. And about 16, 17 years old, just went like headfirst mm. into it. Yeah, I want to be in ministry for sure. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I think about moments like that. You know, we, we, we go off on a camp or we have that experience and, and how vital it is. I mean, even now, even today, you know, even as adults, we try to go find some some common ground just to get away just for yeah. a little bit out of the daily grind, out of the kind of common things that we see all the time. Uh, to get into an environment where other people are kind of maybe thinking some of the same things and trying to figure that out. Um, and the value of um, an intense community for a short period of time, yeah. I think is, is very encouraging. Um, and I think we, that's one of the things that we need to seek, you know, uh, seek for our, for our children, seek for ourselves. Uh, I mean, I get invited to conferences and things like that, not to speak, but, uh, <laughs> but to come and be a part. And, uh, and I think about that. Um, it is so important because it, it gets out of that daily framework to say, what would my life be like? Um, and you get to, to experience different things. So, um, and I, I, I really enjoyed those times. That was fun. Um, just hanging out um, with, with students and just trying to figure this all out ourselves. So, um, you know, uh, but no, that, that, that's, that's encouraging. Uh, thank you even for yeah. sharing that. Um, so so that, was, that was a turning point in your life, and it began to kind of transition that. Um, so then you go to GSW. What are you going for? What, what's your degree in? Man, I changed, um, not officially, but I changed my mind major probably like eight times. I just had no idea. I, I knew that I wanted to be in ministry, and I knew that I was going to go to graduate school, going to go to seminary. Um, and so I was like, man, I'm just trying to get out of here with a bachelor's degree, you know? Yeah. And so I wound up, uh, I wound up sticking with psychology. Okay. So when I'm sticking with psychology, there were some professors uh, that I really liked uh, in my psychology, in, uh, that I'd already have in psychology, and I, I kind of liked them in the psychology and sociology department. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hey, I like y'all's classes, like some of the things we talk about and some of the things we're doing, so let's just, uh, let's stick with psychology, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and so... How did that then take on to, were you still obviously dating? Were you married at that time? I mean, what's the... Okay, so yeah, my, my wife and I, Molly, uh, we, we continued dating. She stayed local as well. Uh, we got engaged at the end of our freshman year okay. in college. Uh, okay. Turner Field, by the way. So yeah. uh, I got in, she's a big Braves fan, so I had to, had to tee that up. They wouldn't let me on the big screen, but yeah. uh, I did try. <laughs> And uh, then at the end of our sophomore year, we got married. So yeah, everybody was looking at us like we were nuts. You know, 20 year old, broke, still, both still in college, thinking yep. like, what are y'all doing? But you know, uh, eight years later, here we are, yeah. we're making out, you know? So. That's awesome. Well, it's encouraging in the sense that, all right, you're still trying to figure out what to do, but you know you want to marry this person. That's, that's like, that's solid, man. That, that, that's awesome. Um, all right, so uh, she's still go. Was she going to GSW during that time as well? So yeah, are, yeah. Okay. So we were. Uh, we I wound up graduating a semester before her. She did. Uh, she's in education as well. So she did student teaching, and it took her, took her yeah. a little bit longer to do that. And so I wound up graduating a semester early. Um, okay. 
Okay. Then after GSW, where do you go? Where's your Where's your heart set? Where's your mind set? What does that look like? So we knew we wanted to go to seminary. Well, I won't say we. My wife went kicking and screaming. Uh, but she had, uh, my wife Molly, she lived in the same house for like her entire 20 years of life, gone to the same church. I mean, just very grounded here in America, even, even more so than me. And um, so we, but we decided to go to Louisville, Kentucky, to the Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary, uh, living just across the river in a mm. town called Jeffersonville, Indiana. Okay. Uh, but we went up there for the next three years, yeah. Okay. Okay. And what were you what were you studying there? What were you looking into? What were some highlights of that of those three years? Yeah. So I went to get a master's in divinity. Uh, I wound up graduating uh, with that. Uh, highlights. I think just really the amount of reading that I got to do. And I know that you know reading isn't everybody's favorite. And you think about like academic and research reading. But man, my mind. I was just exposed to so many different things. And mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Southern. As as uh, as we call it, it has a uh, has a very has a very like big reputation of being a very conservative and like mm -hmm. theologically conservative school. What it is, one hundred percent. But our professors like made us read deep and wide, and so mm -hmm. we got to read all kinds of sources and all kinds of different viewpoints. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, I even I, I, you know, for the first time in my life, I started to change my mind on some things, mm -hmm. you know? Because I, I got to like read other people's viewpoints and arguments and compare them with my own and what I think about things. And so I think just the ability to, um, to expand your mind, see some things differently, and even change your mind. You know, yeah. I don't know how often we actually change our mind about you know, things that are important to us. And so I think that's like one of the biggest highlights for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I would definitely say people, people are okay with change as long as they're making the changes. And that's right, yeah. <laughs> And so, especially leaders. Leaders love change, and unless they're they're called to, to change themselves in that sense, because it's hard. It's it's hard to change. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. So you've got you've got this psychology degree, the sociology degree. You go to that. You're you're opening that. Uh, I, I can just tell. I mean, there are there are so many times in our lives where we don't realize we're, I guess to say like this uh, this bubble, like this cultural bubble, yeah. or. Uh, kind of this idea of um, everyone thinks the way that I think. So obviously that's huge. That's beneficial to you, uh, being in ministry, but also being uh, wanting wanting to help um, teach what what what's it like to to serve and love God in this context, rel recognizing that there's other contexts in which people serve, yeah. serve and love God. Um, so would would you say that your your degree at GSW was helpful to that, like to help broaden that perspective as well? Oh yeah, I think back to conversations that I had, people I met. Uh, I mean, some of my favorite conversations are with people that like I know one hundred percent disagree with me on the biggest issues mm -hmm. in life, and I value that. I thrive with that. I love that man. One of my uh, one of my favorite professors, sociology professor, GSW, still here, uh, Jamie McLennan. I uh, call him J Mac, and. Uh, <laughs> Used to play basketball with him. Even when I was in high school, he would come out to uh, his neighbor's like cul-de-sac. We played basketball together, so I knew him going in. But man, I just used to uh, I just used to sit in his class after mm -hmm. hours, and we would just talk. And uh, he challenged mm -hmm. me; I challenged him, and it was fun. When I first moved back to town last year, he was one of my first visits on campus. So I went, wow. I went and uh, found him after, and sat down and talked to him. And it was just like a ne we never stopped talking, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so he just he wanted to get back into it. And it was fun. So wow. Well, that's definitely important what you just said because uh, as we kind of see even shiftings and, and people with their views, especially on social media and things are going so polarized, it's very, very hard to have just 
intense yeah. conversations where um, the relationship is actually more important than just the idea or the thought or the right. Um, and so just hearing that, like I hope that people are listening today and go, that's still possible today. Um, yeah. It was possible then, uh, it's possible now. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that as far as um, you know, you seeing the climate change, but yet still finding value and wanting to intentionally pursue. It's okay to have conversations with people that you disagree with. Like, yeah. share a little bit of that, kind of your. Yeah. So I mean, people. I'm a very hard-headed person, and I like my mm-hmm. opinions. So you can. My wife, if she ever watches this, will say yes. Uh, but, and I know people have always disagreed. People have always disagreed vehemently. But I mean, it's no secret. You know, last, you know, six six to ten years of American life. It's, uh, it almost seems like it's impossible uh, to disagree peacefully, to disagree amiably, and to just say, hey, at the end of the day, we can be friends. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, it's okay if you disagree with me, it's okay if you don't like something that I do, it's okay if you know, uh, I like, don't like something you're doing. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's one of my biggest, I don't know how in the world we're gonna get back there. It's mm-hmm. probably gonna start with being neighbors, you know, yeah. everything this podcast is about, and really just understanding and getting to know people outside of um, what they think, because at the end of the day, we're more than our opinions, mm. and we're even more than just like our, we're even more than just our beliefs. We're human beings. Mm. And uh, as important as those things are, we're human beings, and we can connect on so many levels, and we can appreciate and understand each other on so many levels, uh, even if we disagree on some very significant things. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. That's yeah. huge. I, I'm interested on, on, on how to con- continue to create those pathways for people yeah. to be able to experience uh, tension, yeah. uh, awkward silence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're, the culture that I've seen is, it's just harder to be in a place where, where, where it feels uncomfortable. Um, but we need to get used to being uncomfortable again. Um, and so I'm interested in that uh, as far as where that goes and how to create how to create those. And I think again, just sitting down and and considering other people and what they're experiencing and what they're thinking, um, and just listening, I think is probably the biggest impact uh, that I've seen. Uh, is not trying to go in necessarily with this huge agenda. But just going in and saying, hey, uh, if, if I'm living next to someone, they have needs, they have emotions, uh, we might not come to the same conclusions, uh, but how do they know that I'm for them, whether yeah. we disagree or agree? And that's just, it's, it's a very hard thing to do. Uh, I would say, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on just the, the, um, the, uh, the relational capacity for people. Um, it seems to me that you know, we're building relationships based on... Um, more of a transaction. Yeah. Like, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? Um, I love to hang out with people that look like me, talk like me, act like me, because then really, really I'm kind of worshiping myself because oh, sure. everyone else around me is agreeing with me. Um, but yeah. then that tension of not uh, causes you to, to learn, causes you to widen that perspective. So mm. um, just your thoughts on kind of just the relational capacity of people and, and um, you know, what are some things that you've noticed that would be helpful for someone that's listening today going, I, when, I, when I hear someone in my mind and they're saying things that I disagree with and I start to boil, like what are some, what are some things that would be encouraging to, to hear? Yeah, so I think real growth and real learning always comes at the end of some kind of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about my students. I teach seventh and eighth graders every day. 
at any time, we're working on essays right now. We just got through, we're finishing up reading some novels and we're I've got, uh, presenting them with these big essay questions and we're trying to tie together some of the themes of the novels and I'm like, all right guys, it's essay project week. We're gonna work on this. And I just get this collective set of, you know, groans. You know, mm -hmm. this is terrible. And I said, guys, and you know, they just look at me like, yeah, dude, you're like 80. You know, even with me, they tell me yeah. I have bad knees and all that kind of stuff, you know, you know, I'm 28. But they look at me like, oh yeah, you're giving us some like, you know, granddad, get off my lawn lecture kind of thing. But I'm like, look guys, you're never gonna grow. You're never gonna learn anything. Like if you don't push yourself, if you don't try. And so I think, I think we, like you said, we've gotta be willing to live with that level of discomfort. When someone is saying something, asserting something, even like loudly, um, that we disagree with or we think is wrong, I think we just gotta realize that like, getting in a shouting match or proving them wrong in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't really accomplish anything. Yeah. But like sitting down and listening and really understanding a person to see where they come from, uh, there's a lot more power in that. And yeah. I think you can, when you understand where a person's coming from, then their viewpoint might make a little more sense, right? We all, mm -hmm. we all have our experiences. We all, we all come to bring all these, we bring our different baggages to the table, um, our different lived experiences. And so like, there's a reason why we think the way we think. And most of the time it's personal, it's, it's human. It's because we've seen this happen before. We've seen someone affected a certain way. We've seen someone hurt. We've seen someone taken advantage of. And so we're so adamant uh, and strong in our opinions because we think they have, you know, life and death. We think mm -hmm. they are real world. And so when you realize that the person who disagrees with you has, this, has a legitimate reason to think the way they think, you know, I think you're start, starting to think, okay, I need to see this from their viewpoint. Even if never in a million years I would think this, yeah. I need to understand where they're coming from. And that, yeah. that takes work. It, yeah. takes, uh, it takes being uncomfortable. And uh, most of the time we're just kind of lazy and we don't really like to think that hard you know, and yeah. dive that deep into it. Yeah, so yeah. It, just, it takes some work and some effort, I think. That's huge, that's yeah. huge. I think one of, the, one of the initial responses of anger is they, people don't feel heard and so they get angry. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a really great way to say, hey, people need to be able to be heard. Mm -hmm. uh, even if they're wrong, in, their in your opinion, they need to be heard. Um, and so that, I think that's huge. So you take that, so you've got this degree, go to seminary, where do you go from there? Uh, right after there, we actually move uh, to this small town, and I mean like small, so America's is not small compared to this town. Okay. Uh, this town is like less than a third the size of America's. Jackson, Alabama, Southwest Alabama, I wanna give them a shout out. It's about an hour north of Mobile, and Mobile is the only like civilization close, Yeah. right? Um, and we had no idea what we are doing. We just had a daughter at this time. So I graduated seminary, um, we're getting towards the end of May, 2019. I graduated on Friday and our first daughter was born on Tuesday. Wow. So my wife is in the hot sun uh, at Southern Seminary at my graduation, nine plus months pregnant. That is a supporting <laughs> wife. I, I mean, man. awesome, right? And uh, That's great. And then like literally a month later, I'm yeah. taking her to a place she's never been to a house she's never seen except from video, people she's never met, and we're moving down the middle of nowhere, southwest Alabama. And wow. I tell you what, it, wanted, it was one of the best experiences mm. of our life. Right? Yeah, so, talk about being uncomfortable. Yeah, being uncomfortable for sure, but it just wound up, the, um, speaking of just the power of the people in a place, man, yeah. uh, one of the big lessons I really learned there is people are what make a place, mm. right? So we didn't have a lot to do in the United States because we don't, we don't have a whole lot of things to do, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we do have more restaurant choices here, so I'll give you, be thankful for what yeah. you do have, right? But uh, <laughs> man, those people, we had never ever been more embraced and loved and served and cared for 
yeah. uh, by a group of people. I, I was working as a student pastor at a church there, First Baptist Church of Jackson, and man, those people, every single thing you could think of, they took care of us mm. from the moment we got there. We had people painting our house before we got there. They're painting our house, they're fixing up all these kinds of things, putting furniture in. I mean, yeah. just wild. And they took every need you could think of. Even more so, they just took care of us. Yeah. And man, those people just loved us. And it was, it was the best possible place for us to be. Uh, coming fresh out of seminary, having, and having a child, you know? Yeah. Even we're five hours away, we're five hours away from home then, you know, you wanna be close to grandparents. But I mean, it was almost like, man, we had five new sets of grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and babysitters and just wow. everything. They just took care of us. Wow. Yeah. That, the, that, that, that idea is, is contagious. Like it gets yeah. you excited. Uh, I know that it's impacted you and you say, man, I, I hope that people feel like this yeah. when they think of me, you know? Um, and I, I love that idea. Every, um, the people creates the place and, yeah. and gives that atmosphere. And um, so you were there for how long? For two uh, years. For two years, yeah. okay. Um, and you were the student minister there? Yeah, student minister at First Baptist Jackson, yeah. Okay. All right, and then you feel called to come back to Americas? Yeah, so, the... you know, it was the uh, COVID, 2020, man. You know, it was, it was a wild time. You yeah. know, 2020 was a wild time. But uh, I think a lot of us get PTSD when we just hear 2020, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if it was just kind of if, you know, we can just be a little vulnerable here, yeah. you know? But uh, I don't know if it was kind of some anxiety, uh, even maybe some depression uh, I was just kind of dealing with for several months. And it had nothing to do with our situation. It was the craziest thing. I, I loved my job. I loved what I did. We loved where we were. Uh, we loved our friends. It was just one of those things where just sometimes the way you feel doesn't make sense, you mm -hmm. know? And so for months, I'm praying. I'm thinking I can go back to my journal where I'm writing these things out. And I'm just like asking the Lord, I'm like, hey, like, what am I supposed to do? Why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. And I just started thinking towards the end of 2020, I'm thinking, all right, maybe, maybe we just need to go home. You know, America's is home. Maybe we just need to go home and try to figure some things out, you know? Yeah. And uh, my wife, who was, you know, reluctantly left America's to go to Louisville, uh, when I've told her about, hey, what if we go back home? She's like, hey, I'm cool with that. But she's like, I'm fine here too, you know? And so that was what, how great the place was. Yeah. But uh, the more we started talking about it and thinking about it, we're like, hey, if there's a job opportunity, let's, che let's check it out for real. And so uh, wound up. Uh, getting, a, getting a job opportunity, job offer, prayed about it for, I mean, month, month and a half, worked through the whole process, and it just kind of seemed like the Lord was opening up the doors, yeah. and uh, it just, at the time, kind of made sense uh, for us to come back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How was, that, how was that received from the people in Jackson? Were they happy for you? Were they excited for you? Kind of what, what, what was their so, dynamics? Definitely, they were like, man, everything's going great, and uh, it's kind of soon uh, for you to get out of here, but I think uh, I, was, I was pretty vulnerable with them, kind of shared, even from church meetings from the pulpit, kind of what was going on. And uh, they understood, you know, mm -hmm. they, were, uh, they were nothing but helpful uh, and gracious, just like we were coming in and just like going out, nothing but helpful and gracious and kind, took care of us. I mean, we only been there like two years and they give us this like big going away party, you know, yeah. and people are giving us gifts. And I was like, man, most of the time somebody leaves a church in like two years, they're like, all right, dude, get out of here. You know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, just even on the way out, taking care of us, they supported us. Uh, even last, uh, last fall, I went back several times. I was the chaplain of our high school football team. And oh, our football cool. team had a, the football team had a, like a magical run last year, went to the final four in the state. I went, I, dr I drove to like three straight playoff games. <laughs> Friday afternoons, I'm driving five hours. Um, yeah. And so, and they were just glad to be back anytime I'm there and they're glad for me to be there as well. So. Wow, 
Wow, I, I love that. I mean, that's we're talking about being next level neighbors. We're talking about neighboring yeah. well. Um, that's the kind of when you're doing things not not for something, but because of something. Yeah. Um, what they've experienced in their lives gave them the opportunity to say, "We can give," and there's there is return, obviously, yeah. with you being there. But even afterwards, um, we got to get to a place where we're uh, where we're able to give. When we even when we don't receive from that from that particular person, and I think that's neighboring well, uh, is sacrifice, vulnerability, those types of things. Uh, so it's it's just great to hear those stories because they don't realize that just as much as you needed them to be there for you when you arrived, for them to be there for you when you left to into, to that degree, that carries with you. It does it carries with you, and 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 we need to know people need to hear that. Because they need to know, well, if this per- first person's coming in, um, you know, and then they're leaving, you know, it matters. For sure. That matters. Um, so I think that that's really, really huge. Um, so let me ask you this. So now, uh, now we're, we're, you guys are in Americus, um, and currently you're working at the Furlough Charter School. Furlough Charter School. Uh, in Americus. Tell us a little bit about what you do there. So I teach middle school English, 7th uh, uh, and 8th graders. What a joy, you know, they're uh, the best time of life for human growth and development, uh, you know, and uh, I'm also the FCA sponsor, so Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, I lead okay. that club, and this year, for some reason, I will be coaching basketball, uh, nice. so uh, any community support we can get there, help us out. Uh, but you're coaching basketball and uh, being assistant coach for baseball as well, so... Okay, so this, so the basketball portion is is a, is a new thing uh, for the school. Was it uh, uh, a new thing for me? They've kind of had uh, programs before, but it hasn't really like lasted. And I'm actually going to be coaching girls, and I don't think they've ever had a high school girls team. So okay. yeah, this is going to be uh, our first year. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, we've even had uh, I've already had and just Americus, we've already had several community members, uh, you know, donate and support yeah. uh, support our team. And so we we've, we've been. We've got, we're feeling the support and the love even from our community. And, That's awesome. Uh, and they're already, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, if anyone's looking to support there you go. Uh, furlough or basketball or just invest into some students, basketball is a huge, yeah. a huge thing. Um, and so, yeah, give to that. Uh, be a part of that. Show up for games. Encourage uh, the students to continue their, uh, their athletic uh, abilities, but also be in relationship, be in community with people. Yeah. Uh, so, no, that's great. Um, so... So wait, is, so it's is sixth and seventh grade, seventh and eighth grade, seventh and eighth. So Last that, year that, I had all three. I had is six, that thirteen seven. and fourteen year old? I mean, what's the yeah? So twelve, pretty much twelve to fifteen. Twelve you know, to you fifteen. You got some early birthdays, some late birthdays, but yeah, pretty much okay. twelve okay. to fifteen. So what are twelve to fifteen year year olds into? Man, you know I don't know. <laughs> I know I uh, TikTok for sure, TikTok and Snapchat. Um, okay. You know, and I, I make sure once or twice a week, I just, mm-hmm. I give them like a get off my lawn lecture about yeah. how it's destroying their brains. You know, <laughs> nice. just, just to hear the yeah. collective girls. They would make sense yeah. coming from an, an English teacher, right? <laughs> Someone who cares about written language yeah. and the history of it and the importance of having long conversations and, and really hashing out things. Um, and then just getting 150 characters. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so, so yeah, I, I can definitely see the tension uh, in that. And, and um, do, you see, do you see some, some students uh, really getting involved in that, uh, getting encouraged by uh, some of, the, um, some of the, the classes there? Or I, I'm always just curious about the culture of, uh, of young students. So it's definitely, it's tough. I mean, you know, not every seventh grader is waking up in the morning and getting super hyped uh, 
about reading Tolkien. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're finishing up The Hobbit with my seventh graders. So, you know, some of them are like, oh, I love the adventures. We got treasures and dragons and dwarves and wizards. And they're like really into it. But then you know, some of them, it's just, it doesn't click for them. Yeah. But uh, one of the coolest things is seeing something uh, click for students when something else didn't. So last year, my eighth graders, we read The Odyssey. Nice. Uh, you're talking about some adventures with eighth graders reading The Odyssey. Uh, but man, I remember we had, it was getting towards the end of the semester and we're having a, an essay uh, response time to it. Mm -hmm. And one of my students who I uh, just kind of like have to goad and push and say, hey, you know, come on. You know, it's not because they don't have the capability of doing it. It's just because the motivation is not there. I remember them connecting something from the Odyssey uh, to their current world, to their current life, mm -hmm. uh, into their personal life. And they just wrote the best essay response and I was oh, wow. thinking, I, I went to him afterwards and I said, dude, now I know you can do this now, so you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I expect this like all the time now. And so I, when the students just find something that really clicks for them and they're really interested in that light bulb turns on, it's, it's really awesome to just see their creative juices and their energy just pour into it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's huge, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I say it a lot uh, just in private conversations, but I, I love the idea that we are a story-formed people. Um, and so stories matter, narratives yeah. matter. There's a reason why we get attracted to kind of the hero dynamics and, and all of this is because we were created to, to engage in a story, to believe in a story. And uh, things like the Odyssey have, you know, Tolkien, they have principles uh, that, are, that are far reaching than just the book, yeah. you know, um, that, that we can apply to our lives. Um, and when, when students get it, it, it does get exciting. Um, uh, so let me ask you this. In, in learning, uh, being a teacher, uh, what are some obstacles that you see that students are facing right now? Just even if there was a parent listening uh, as far as like with their children or, or thoughts in that, or even like a student minister who's looking at their 12 to 15 year old and yeah. asking a teacher kind of what, what are some obstacles that you see in, in the kids' lives or in education itself? Yeah, so I think as far as education itself, and I mean, this is my second year in education, so I yeah. probably have some like longtime educators that like grown at me, you know, or they'll probably say, we've been saying this for years. Yeah. But I think, I think the current model, and not just like our model, but like I would say the American model, maybe it's Western, I don't know. I think the model of like putting 20 kids in a room with, uh, with one teacher, I just think it's a struggle for a lot of students because you just have a different range of where students are, their, their capabilities, their interest, and um, their ability to pay attention, stay seated, focused for a long time. And so I think, I think one of the biggest issues is large group, it's kind of like a large group dynamic. And I just think for most students, I think a smaller group dynamic, you know, I mean, when you have schools and colleges advertising, they want to advertise their student to teacher ratio, yeah. you know, and I think that's a huge thing. From what I've learned in just my very limited, limited time, some students that might struggle in a large group setting, if I just had like four or five of them, you know, mm -hmm. and I know like logistically it's, it's just not possible mm -hmm. right now. But if I had some of those students, uh, you know, in a setting of four or five, uh, yeah, we'd goof off. And, you know, we'd still have the, hey, get back on task. But, uh, man, I just think their learning potential would just skyrocket. And I yeah. think the light bulb going off and what they can do and what they're capable of, I think it would just change the dynamics so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. And I, I, I would see even, you know, being in, in, paying attention to college. And uh, we think that students um, in college, even college students, even older students, uh, they don't value relationships or they don't care 
But man, when someone invests in their lives, yeah. um, co- growing up in the church, growing up as, as a believer and as a Christian, and I, I will tell you that my life uh, knowing Christ has been connected to a community of people that yeah. have invested into me. Like I can't, I can't talk about Jesus and what he's done for me without connecting the fact that he brought people into my life that invested into me. Yeah. And so when kids feel invested into, when they feel that their potential, and they ju- you don't just hear that, but like you can see that, that makes complete sense of just bringing value to, to students. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think for our students, relationships matter so much. Uh, I mean, I could, um, I could get onto a kid. I mean, I'm like, I mean, I, maybe they did something just really ridiculous, and I'm, you know, Mr. Taunton gets his game face on, and you know, he's like, this is ridiculous, what are you doing? I mean, like, 30 minutes later, that kid is wanting to come up and joke and say, hey, like, what's going on? And I just, they, I think they long for those relationships. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think that's a big aspect of it too, you know, the learning. That's why I like coaching. You get to build uh, mm. uh, deeper relationships with students. You're spending some more time with them. You get to be in a different aspect. You don't just have to be Mr. Taunton. You can kind of put on the, yeah. the coach, the coach Taunton then. And, uh, and so I, I think students, whether middle school, high school, college, I think they are hungry for people yeah. um, who might know a little more than them, who, uh, who can teach them a little stuff. I think they're hungry to have a positive relationship with yeah. a mentor or a teacher and somebody who can invest in them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, that's good, that's good. Well, let me ask you this, um, kind of going back to kind of your college days, I know you kind of grew up in Americus, but I'm always interested coming into Americus for five months now and just seeing the, the potential for the community networking, uh, you have, uh, you have the City of Americas, you have Downtown Americas, you have uh, GSW, you have the Tech. I mean, there seems to be a lot of potential for thriving yeah. and for growth. What would you say, um, and, and again, I mean, you were, you were from here, so I don't know if you could, but maybe some of the college students, when you were going to college, what were their thoughts of the city and downtown and connecting the college to the city? Um, and then maybe even today, like as you think about it, well, now I'm older and I'm out of, out of college. Um, just those, just those dynamics, um, just coming again, me coming in saying, Hey, how does the city and the college, do you see the, do they see each other as valuable? Do they see each yeah. other as kind of a network? And, um, yeah, just your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think you're starting to see more and more of that connection, uh, between the city and especially, uh, especially Southwestern. Um, yeah, I'm walking around everywhere. I see the, the day of giving. Uh, promos. And I briefly worked. Uh, I briefly worked with the foundation uh, at GSW. I'll give Steven Snyder a shout out over there. Uh, they're doing really great work uh, connecting people, uh, connecting with alumni and donors and even businesses and folks in the city. They're doing a great job over there uh, supporting. I think they have. I think the current administration and leadership has a great vision for building that connection. Uh, and I, I think GSW uh, and even the tech. I think those are. I think those are just key for the yeah. development and the future of America. So I think if we can really find a way to make those relationships just um, accelerate and work together you know, more harmoniously, I think America's can grow. I think people can look at GSW a little bit different. Because I think, one, getting back to the original question, yeah. I think that uh, a lot of students that come here, you know, they come from middle Georgia, south of Georgia, southwest Georgia. So a lot of students are gonna drive home you know, on Fridays uh, after class, after school. A lot of times, most classes don't meet on Friday. And um, I think the town and the college, and maybe uh, business leaders, whether it's the 
chamber of commerce, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. all the technical, political, governmental things are you got to do there. Yeah, yeah. I think we could. Uh, I think we could really make it where, hey, like I don't have to go home uh, on the weekends. You know, maybe we need to get together for some more entertainment options. Uh, you know, more. I think I love what downtown America is doing. You know, we got First Fridays uh, involving the community, and so I think just more of that, more yeah. of that positive, creative. Let's sit down at the table and see how we can make this thing, you know, a place where everyone wants to be a part of. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, I think that's kind of a big key, uh, especially for the college uh, in growing and developing itself and Americas as well. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I just. I love hearing uh, what people would love to see, for example, yeah. downtown. Like if, if they had this downtown, I could see myself coming a little bit more, whether that's a family dynamic, yeah. uh, more kid-oriented things, or if it's more college-oriented, you know, what are colleges do, you know, college students doing on you know, Saturdays if they're in town? Like, yeah. Do they come to downtown? And if so, what are they coming for? And what would they come to, into downtown for? So it's just, it's just really interesting mm-hmm. uh, being able to answer those questions, I think obviously will help. Uh, people uh, in the college feel more connected, maybe even stay, mm-hmm. uh, but also the city itself, downtown itself, uh, enjoy them coming and, and even you know spending their money here. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so it, it works out for everybody. So I'm very interested in those conversations, and I think that if we just continue to have that that positive perspective, and hey, look, you know, listen, if you've been told no 400 times, ask again. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I that when you're trying to be a good neighbor, next level neighbor, is pessimism, it can be really, really destructive. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't been taught to hear the word no 500 times, uh, you're, you're gonna really struggle, uh, especially in a, in a society because people wanna do certain things or whatever. So I know on your end, if, you're, uh, if you used to work for GSW and uh, you know, calling people and stuff like that, you're gonna hear no 500 yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but it, it's important to learn to receive that and just keep pushing forward. Yeah. Uh, because in order to be a neighbor, you're gonna get hurt. Um, you're, gonna, you're gonna share some vulnerable moments and people are gonna leave or people are gonna move on or, um, and so, but you gotta learn how to, how to deal with that. Yeah. So, uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, if you had, um, so we talked a little bit about it already, um, your dynamics of some things that we could do downtown. Is there anything in particular that you would love to see uh, downtown? Uh, you being from Americas and Oh, let me see. Okay, so I am, I'm a huge movie guy. Okay. I, logistically downtown, I don't know if it worked, but you know, I definitely l- lament the fact. I know we only had a two screener, you know, but yeah. I lament the fact that we don't have a movie theater, you know? And I yeah. mean, maybe, I don't know, some kind of, uh, I don't whether it's family, whether it's some type of drive-in uh, or, a, or just a, a, a one auditorium, I, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like if we could have some kind of like movie scene, a movie action, just something to get out and do, I, I feel like that would be a really big plus uh, for downtown. I think yeah. you come, you park, you go to the one of the restaurants, uh, yeah. you know, and then just walk to the movie theater, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think, I, you know, logistically, no idea. You know? Yeah, yeah. Not That's an architect <laughs> or, a, or a city planner, but you know, yeah. I think something like that. I'm just a movie guy. And uh, I, I think something, and you could make it unique because obviously we're not building like a Cineplex or a mm-hmm. 16 stadium place, but something that's just, you know, uh, unique and, uh, and yeah. fun to, to come to. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things that me and my wife have talked about a few times uh, is just the idea of ice cream. I would love to come down oh, and just man. get ice cream. 
Oh, you yeah. Know? Uh, would give my kids something to do. We could walk around, just throw some ice cream on it. Uh, so, I, I mean, yeah, there, there's so many little potentials. Uh, and there's some great places here downtown or at least, you know, right on the outskirts of that. Um, as, as people come in, they're looking for, for that. So, uh, well, let me ask you this. I got some couple like rapid fire questions. All right. Uh, just to get to a little bit to know you a little bit more. Um, let me ask you this. What, uh, what is a kind of a normal daily schedule for you? What is, what does your life look like? Uh, so I wake up probably as late as I can. I wake up <laughs> as late as I can. Uh, I roll out of bed and hurry and get ready to go to school. Um, I'm at school by 7:45. Uh, every morning, I'm there till about 3:45 if I'm not coaching, and then come home. You know, try to work out. Won't say I do it every day. You don't have to take too many looks at me to realize I don't uh, do it every day. Try to work out, and then just uh, hang out with the family. And uh, our family dynamic is we eat dinner and then we turn on the Braves. Okay. So I mean, like, and I mean that's really our routine. We, if there's 162 baseball games a year, we're probably watching 140 of them. Wow. I mean, like, yeah. we, we don't give Netflix too much run. Yeah, uh, at night during baseball season, yeah. we just turn the Braves, trying to trying to raise uh, trying to raise our daughter Carolina upright, and uh, you know we're we're a big Braves family for sure. I will tell you this: I'm not a I, I don't watch baseball, but I would think that if anyone needs to get paid the money that they get paid, it probably would be baseball players because that's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. It's, it's a, a lot long of games. Season. It's a yeah, long that's season. That's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let me ask you this: What is your what's your current favorite uh, either? Um, a uh, song that you're listening to, or uh, uh, even even book that you've read. Okay, book. Oh man, what did I just finish? I just finished something and I can't even remember. But th- I've read this semi recently, within the past couple of years. I think it like changed uh, my perspective. But uh, man, East of Eden, John Steinbeck. Okay. I think. I mean. They say it's a classic, but I think it's like a classic classic. Nice. So I think John Steinbeck, East of Eden, is like one of the best works of literature ever. Just it's very deep thematically, uh, explores, you know, just uh, the brokenness of humanity, mm. uh, our need for love and relationships and yeah. uh, the things we the lengths we go to when we don't have that. And uh, I think, man, just one of my, I think that's probably like at the top of all-time favorite books. I read that in the past couple of years, for that's sure. That's awesome. All right, so if you're looking for a good book to read, this is a, a really great recommendation. Yeah, it's, so. a, it's a long read, but yeah. uh, it's definitely worth it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I was going to ask you what your favorite family activity is. It, it, is, it, is it watching the Braves or is yeah, it it's other? Probably, yeah, I mean, it's probably <laughs> sports related. You know, okay. we're, we're big Braves fans, uh, big college football fans. My okay. uh, I'm a Tennessee fan. Most people that know me know that, and it's okay. uh, it's Gator Hate Week. So any of the Florida fans out there, no love lost this week. And my yeah. daughter, my daughter already knows to say Boo Gators. <laughs> so uh, yeah, family activities definitely were a sports family for sure. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let me ask you this, and then we'll kind of step out. So um, if you could go anywhere in the world, uh, where would you go and why? Anywhere in the world, probably Australia. Nice. And uh, I don't know why, outside of the fact that uh, it just kind of has that aura and mystique of being kind of like wild and out there, you know? It's just so far away. So I'd say, I'm going, I'm going to Australia. I'm going to go hang out with some kangaroos. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Colton, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really great to get a chance to get to know you, catch back up yeah. with you, um, and just to get to hear what God's doing in your life uh, and the importance of relationships, the importance of uh, being involved in students' lives, people's lives, because relationships matter. 
um, and the sacrifices that it takes to build genuine relationships. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you for doing that for uh, students in Alabama, uh, for doing that uh, even with students here in Americas. And uh, we're just looking forward to, to where, you, where you go next, too. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks for having me, man. For sure. All right, Prabhu, good to go. Man, oh, we did it. That was great, man. See, it was great. Uh, dude, I was, I was, yeah.